Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope this day finds you well with the knowledge in your heart that joy comes in the morning. I gotta tell you how proud I am that my listening base is growing so much. That tells me that people are interested in what I'm saying. That tells me that they might be mentioning it to their children or their grandchildren. They might be talking about it in the beauty shop or in the break room of their job. It really doesn't matter, people, because before we can go forward, we must positively know where we came from, what we went through, how we clawed ourselves to where we are today, how we existed way before there was such a thing as a welfare system. We survived for a hundred years off of our own backs our own wit, and our own determination. Can I say it loud that I'm black and I'm proud? (laughs) Friends, without a shadow of a doubt. So let's take this time to slip into darkness and allow me to tell you how hard it was for a black person to hold a good job in the Jim Crow South. Postmaster Fraser B. Baker was murdered simply for doing his job. You see, he was the first African-American appointed to serve as postmaster at the Lake City Post Office in 1897. And for this, he was lynched for refusing to give up his job. On February 22, 1898, Baker and his infant daughter, Julia, died after being shot during an attack by a white mob. You see, after the 1896 presidential election, William McKinley appointed hundreds of black postmasterships across the southern United States. And Baker was appointed postmaster of Lake City, South Carolina in 1897. And the local whites hated and resented any black Republican office holders, especially appointments made by an outgoing administration fearing the blacks will be emboldened to retaliate past lynchings. So they hated his appointment and took up a campaign to force his removal. And when that did not work, a mob attacked him and his family at night at their house, which also served as the post office. The mob set the house on fire to force the family out. His wife and two of his other five children were wounded, but they escaped. Baker, a 40-year-old school teacher, 
and father of six, reported threats to his superiors in Washington, yet little action had been taken. The mob was firing shots into the house as they set it on fire. When a bullet struck and killed his two-year-old daughter, Julia, Baker informed his wife with the heat intensifying that they had to attempt running. But as he opened the door, he was cut down in a hail of gunfire. His wife, Lavina, wounded by the same bullet that had killed her daughter, rallied her family to escape the burning house, and they ran across the road to hide under shrubbery in an adjacent field. After waiting for the flames and gunfire to subside, Lavina made her way to a neighbor's home, where she found one daughter waiting. They were later joined by the oldest, Rosa. Rosa had been shot through the right arm and fled the house as an unidentified armed white male pursued her. Only Sarah, age seven, and Millie, age five, escaped unharmed. Their survivors remained in Lake City for three days, but received no medical attention. The lynchings were met with widespread condemnation, including across the South, but they were defended by those who agreed with South Carolina Senator Benjamin Tillman, who said the proud people of Lake City refused to receive their mail from a nigger. I talked about him before, remember. Pure Hatred, Ben Tillman, founder of Clemson University. As they say now, Demon Spawn. But 13 men were indicted in the U.S. Circuit Court on charges of murder, conspiracy to commit murder, assault, and destruction of mail on April 7, 1899 after two men, Joseph P. Newman and Early P. Lee, turned state's evidence in exchange for their charges being dropped. Now, in my mind, destruction of a post office, that's a federal crime. And so the trial was held in federal court from 10 to the 22nd of April, 1899. The defendants were Alonzo Rogers, Charles Joyner, Edwin Rogers, Ezra McKnight, Henry Goldwyn, Henry Stokes, Marion Clark, Martin Ward, Moultrie Epps, Oscar Kelly, and W.A. Webster. The all-white jury composed of businessmen from across the state. Newman, the prosecutor's star witness, admitted to starting the fire and identified eight of the defendants as having participated in the murders. For 24 hours, the jury deliberated. Before declaring a mistrial, the jury was deadlocked in reaching a verdict five to five. The case was never retried. Lavina Baker and her five surviving children remained in Charleston 
for several months after the verdict before settling near Boston. They remained in Boston out of public life. The surviving Baker children fell victim to a tuberculosis epidemic with four children, William, Sarah, Lincoln, and Cora, dying from the disease between 1908 and 1920. Lavina's last surviving child, Rosa, died in 1942. Having lost all her children, Lavina Baker returned to Florence County, where she lived until her death in Cartersville, South Carolina, in 1947. Rest in peace, my brother and sister. In 2019, the Lake City Post Office was renamed in honor of Baker and the sacrifice he made 122 years ago. I have this quote from Ida B. Wells, and it goes like this. Somebody must show that Afro-American race is more sinned against than sinning, and it seems to have fallen upon me to do so. The awful death toll that Judge Lynch is calling every week is appalling, not only because of the lives it takes and the rank cruelty and outrage to the victims, but because of the prejudice it fosters and the stain it places against the good name of the weak race. The Afro-American is not a beastal race. Ida B. Wells. You see, in 1898, the Department of Justice was bombarded with letters concerning the recent lynching in South Carolina of the postmaster of Lake City, Frazier Baker. Two of those letters were from Ida B. Wells, a journalist, author, public speaker, and civil rights activist who received national and international attention for her efforts to expose, educate, and inform the public on the evils and truths of lynching. Although most people think only of hanging, lynching means much more. Lynching is the killing of African Americans who were tortured, mutilated, burned, shot, dragged, or hung, accused of an alleged crime by a white mob, and deprived of their life without due process and equal protection of the law. This type of mob violence in America earned its nickname in 1770s from Virginia Quaker Charles Lynch, who authorized extra-legal whippings against those who harassed patriots and committed crimes during the American Revolution. The practice quickly expanded across the western frontier in the decades before the Civil War, where many of the victims were mostly white among 
with a number of Native Americans, Mexicans, Asians, and African Americans. In the antebellum South, whites constituted the majority of victims of mob violence. African American men, women, and children now compose the majority of victims of lynch violence, and the lynchings assumed an increasingly sadistic nature. African American men, however, were the most targeted. There you have it, my friends, trying to keep a job in the Jim Crow South. If And if it was a good paying job, it was hard for African Americans to keep. William Lynch also wrote a letter that stated, you keep the dark-skinned Negroes and the light-skinned Negroes separated. Keeping the light-skinned Negroes in the house and keeping the dark-skinned Negroes in the field. This will create a rift between them. And you know what, my friends? That rift has lasted a long, long time. And that music tells me that it is that time. But I leave you with this thought. Fear of something is the root of hate for others. And hate will eventually destroy the hater. Until next time, it has been my honor. <laughs>